Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... Religion seeks to, you know, confine people, get people to do externally. You know, make this change, wear these clothes, say these phrases. But it's all outside, external. It's not genuine. It's not real. The work that God does, it takes a little longer, but God says, by faith... In me, I'll come move inside you. And the work that I do, it'll be a slow burn, but it'll be faithful, it'll be true, it'll be genuine. I'll work from the inside out. It won't be that someone told you, you can't wear that, you can't behave like that, you can't do that. God says, I'll move inside you, and then there'll just be new convictions. I'll begin to change you. Religion focuses on external performance. But God looks inward to the desires of the heart. In today's message from Pastor Bill, he equips you with the truth that God is for you. You don't have to go through a bunch of religious hoops to earn His favor. What God desires is a heart that seeks to please Him. Pastor Bill explains that what pleases God is for you to receive His Son, Jesus. By receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior, God is glorified. He will transform you from the inside out for His name's sake. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, as he continues his message, Progressing in Christ. Now he's in another land, in a foreign place, but God is with him. And kept saying it all the way through his story. Everywhere he went, God was with him. As a slave, God was with him. He was the best slave. In the jail, God was with him. In Potiphar's house, God was with him. Then the woman accused him of rape, even though he was, he was walking in integrity. And he ran from her. She grabbed it at his clothes. Oh, nasty cougar woman that she was. And he ran away. And, you know, innocent all the way in jail. And still, the Lord was with him there. But... He gets all the way to the end, second in command, visions and dreams, connected to the Lord. Brothers come back. They scared to death because they know he could get them. He can get them good now. And he says, he says, look, I'm, he said, don't be afraid, you guys. Like Genesis 50, 20, you meant it for evil. You were, what you did was wrong and your intent was wrong. But I'm not under you. I'm under God. God meant it for good to save many alive today. I'm not going to turn this into a day of bloodshed. I'm a, he put them up in houses. He put them in a good neighborhood. He, he set them up. He blessed them. Blessed the people that cursed them. My point is, people suffered difficulty. We can go on and on. But the suffering was never in vain. And I just want to encourage someone that may be suffering today. If you're suffering, but you're in the Lord, it won't be in vain if you continue in the Lord. Just continue looking to the Lord, trusting in the Lord, and walking with the Lord in due time. God will make good on it. You, it won't be for nothing. There'll be fruit that comes about from your suffering in the Lord. And so moving on now back to Colossians, he says, the end of verse 24, he says, what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. He says that he's filling up in his flesh what is lacking in the afflictions. So here's the idea. Paul is not, you know, he, Paul's suffering for Christ. It doesn't have atoning value like Jesus suffered for our sins. When Paul says, look, I'm, t- I'm suffering. I'm, I'm also, you know, taking up the afflictions of Christ. It's, it's this idea. We're the body of Christ. And y'all know that what happens to you happens to Jesus. Proof text. When Paul was, when Paul was Saul, but he hadn't got saved yet. And he had been responsible for killing Christians, jailing Christians and mistreating Christians. When Jesus met Paul, who was Saul on the road, Uh, To Damascus, he says, hey, Saul, Saul, he said this, Jesus said this, why are you persecuting me? Saul was like, I I didn't do nothing to you. I'm messing with the church, but the church is him. 
The church is his body. If you're treating the church bad, you're treating Jesus bad. Flip that coin over, right? Because we got positive potential here. What if you're blessing the church? Blessing the Lord. God, that's my body. When we come together and we love one another, right? As much as it may be, you know, meaningful to one another, God says, man, that's, that's, I received. That's, you're loving me. When we bless each other, when we care for each other as we do as Christians, when we take care of one another, we bear one another's burdens, we serve and bless. God says, yes, yes, yes. That's because this means his body. We're all pieces and parts of his body. This is why we can't be treating one another bad. Amen. This is why we can't talk about each other bad, treat one another bad. Because y'all, even if, even if you're, uh, you know, everybody body, you got body parts that are not maybe your favorite body parts, Right. Well, Jesus' body is made up of lots of folks, right? Some of you, I, I, won't, I won't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't. All right. Thank you, Lord. I, I hold it back. So everybody, we, you know, the body is the body. We don't, we don't get to pick who makes up the body of Christ. There may be some members and pieces and parts that are not our favorite pieces and parts, but they're still part of his body. And you can't treat them bad without treating the Lord bad. Amen? I'm going to leave that right there. I almost got in trouble. Lord, help me. All right. Verse, verse 25. He says, of which, speaking of the body of Christ, again, Paul says, of which I became a minister. So again, he says he's, he's a minister toward the body, according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So Paul had been given, though he was Jewish, Paul had been given the ministry to the Gentiles. And God had called him to go to the Gentiles, called him to go serve there. And so Paul was given a ministry from God for people. I want you to consider this, that God has given every believer a ministry that's for the glory of God, but for the benefit of people. Every spiritual gift for you guys that went through discipleship with us, every spiritual gift has two purposes, except for the gift of tongues. Every spiritual gift has two functions, two purposes. Number one, to glorify God. Number two, to edify the church. Tongues is one of the, the one gift that's for your personal edification alone. Unless it's given an interpretation, then it can edify others and glorify God. But all the other gifts of the Holy Spirit are given for the glory of God and the edification of the body, that people would be edified. So, two, I need to find a place of service among the body of Christ that is both glorifying God and edifying others. Every believer should find that place. It may look different for everyone here, but it, we all want to find that place where it says, hey, I'm, I am participating in the body of Christ in a way that both glorifies God and blesses those that are part of his church. Paul became a minister. There was a stewardship that God had given him. And ministry is a stewardship, right? If God calls you to do something, you want to be a good steward of that. God called you to preach the word. You want to be a good steward of that calling. You want to study. You want to prepare. You want to live holy so you don't disqualify yourself. Right? If God's called you to some other place of service, you want to be a good steward of whatever God gave you. Don't, don't treat it cheaply. Don't treat it lightly. Some people treat ministry very seriously and other people take it very lightly. Some people look at ministry as ask, you know, something they ah, may or may not. You know, you know but I, I think that whatever God calls us to do, we should do it with all of our might. There should be a passion and integrity to, to what we do. We were talking about Anthony, Pastor Anthony, behind his back. And that's, I can say it about it. I say it in his face, too. But I say it behind his back. I, I said, this, this guy serves the Lord faithfully. I mean, he serves here. There's a, a number of things that he does behind the scenes, in front of the scenes. But you wouldn't know that he weren't on full-time paid staff here the way that he serves. And he's just availing his gifts to the body of Christ. He got a whole nother work that he's doing, a whole nother thing that God has. But he's like, I, I feel called to this too, and I'm giving everything to it. Nothing held back. 
It's an example. It's, it's an example of this, how we want to serve the Lord. God, you get, you get my best. If I'm volunteering or if I'm on staff, you, you getting, you getting my very best. When I was do youth ministry, we'd have people volunteer and serve and help out. And a lot of times they would raise up in our church from within people that come on the staff. And one of the attitudes was that you would never, you would never pay someone to do for the Lord what they wouldn't do for free. Right? If it wasn't your heart to do it over here, if you wouldn't, you wouldn't voluntarily do that for the Lord, why would I pay you to do it? Because God is not a job. Amen. And so it, these are just important things. So Paul says, look, I'm, I am a minister. There's a stewardship to what God has called me to do. Verse 26, he says, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to the saints. Understand that the Old Testament saints, they didn't understand fully what God was going to do in Jesus Christ. They had a glimpse. They had faith in and what was before them, but much of it was a mystery. The fact that the Holy Spirit would dwell in us was a mystery to them. They didn't know this. The little bit that they knew, they had to operate in faith. But the mystery, the things that were mysterious to them have been revealed to us in the New Testament. And we know for a fact, we know who he is, what he came to do. The fact that he's coming back again. Verse 27, it says, To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? This is one of the mysteries that Christ would live in you. And the thing is this, in the Old Testament, they had no clue that God was eventually going to bring Gentiles in, but that was part of God's plan. God says, it's not going to just be a Jewish thing. I'm saving everybody. It's going to be Jew and Gentile. You know, everybody's going to be, I'm availing myself to everyone. And here's the thing. It'll be Christ in you. The hope of glory, the fact that Christ is, is going to live in us. When Mary was told that she was going to have a son and call, and she was told that by the angel to call his name Jesus, which in it, the other name was Emmanuel, which meant God with us. It's, it was a mystery to Old Testament saints, but God said, look, I'm going to be with you. God with you, not God afar off. You understand the, the value of this, you guys? That It's not like God is like way up there. God is literally in you as a believer. It's the hope of glory. That God takes up residence in the saints. He lives in you. So I'm never apart from God. I'm never separate. The Bible says, what can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ? Nothing. He's right there in you. Again, why I get to be careful how I treat believers. Christ in you. Christ in me. The hope of glory. This is the hope of glory for us. That God has taken up residence. That we both belong to the Lord and God has taken up residence in us. I've often said this, but I believe it's true. God gives every believer the moment they believe he gives you the Holy Spirit to live in you. Y'all know the Holy Spirit is God, God, third person of the Trinity. And you know why? Because none of us would ever be holy without him. Could you be holy without the Holy Spirit? No, you couldn't. You, you wouldn't be right. You would be what you used to be. But the Holy Spirit moves inside, takes up residence, starts cleaning house, gives you new desires, convicts you of the old stuff, starts to just work. That's why the work of God is an internal work from the inside out. Religion seeks to, you know, confine people, get people to do externally, you know, make this change, wear these clothes, say these phrases, but it's all outside, external. It's not genuine. It's not real. The work that God does, it takes a little longer, but God says, by faith in me, I'll come move inside you. And the work that I do, it'll be a slow burn, but it'll be faithful. It'll be true. It'll be genuine. I'll work from the inside out. It won't be that someone told you, you can't wear that. You can't behave like that. You can't do that. God says, I'll move inside you and there'll just be new convictions. I'll begin to change you. 
right? I, again, I look back and I think, man, when I, when I quit drinking, y'all know I used to be an alcoholic. I used to drink every day. Then I got born again. I told the guy that led me to the Lord, probably not going to be able to stop drinking, you know, but I'll cut back. I'll trade in my 44 tall can. See if I can, see if I can make that happen, right? Here's the thing, right? It was the Holy Spirit. First time God ever spoke to me in my heart. I was in my kitchen mixing drinks. As a Christian, judge me, I'm mixing drinks. And I, I really sense the Holy Spirit say that right now you don't even need a drink. You're just doing this out of habit. I heard that very distinctly. And I was like, okay. And I poured out a fifth of gin. I poured out a bunch of beer. Now I poured it out knowing in my heart that if the urge really came back heavy, I had to go buy some more. But I just was like, let me see what happens here. Can I tell you guys that God, God met me in that moment? And he spoke to me in that moment. He met me in that moment. And God strengthened me from that moment that I never, I never fell back into. Amen. I never fell back into alcohol again. I was tempted many times. I had it in my hand many times. I've never been drunk again from that point in my life. Now, I can't take any credit. I can never stand before someone and say, you know what? I just made up my mind one day. I was going, none of that. God in his mercy did for me what I couldn't do. He spoke to me. He empowered me. But my point is this. It wasn't a person telling me, you got to stop that. It would be religion if I would have succumbed to somebody. But it was God on the inside saying, hey, we don't want that anymore. That's not what we want. And then. As we get this out of your life, it's because God's like, I got something I want to do with your life that I can't do if you're doing that. I didn't know then that I was called to do this, but I know that I can't do both, right? Y'all don't want a drunk pastor. I'll be up here saying all kinds of stuff, right? I struggle sober, so uh, it'd, be, it'd be all bad, you know? So moving on now, it says, <laughs> so, uh, it says in verse 27, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, again, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28, so important, any Christian, any minister, any pastor, the three words, him we preach, right? Any preaching that's happening, anybody that says, I'm a minister, I preach the word, it says him we preach. Anything else you preach is it's not, not going to have the right impact. Some, there are people preaching all kinds of stuff today. There are people preaching stories. There are people preaching racial stuff. Uh, there are pulpits today because of all the political stuff. Today there are people in pulpits preaching who you should vote for in politics and all of that. I don't preach none of that. I don't believe in any of that. There are going to be people at both of those conventions going to hell. Amen? Y'all know that? There'll be people on every side of every issue that are going to hell. I need to preach him. And so Paul says, him we preach. Only one that I can preach with confidence is Jesus. I don't trust any man, but I do trust the Lord, right? I don't, you can't ever preach Jesus and he'll never make you look bad, right? Because he's all that. He's everything the book says that he is. He can do everything the book says he can do and probably more than that. You get to preaching a man or anything else, you'll be let down. You have mud on your face one day. Paul says, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Jesus. Paul says, I've grown from the place of being a non-believer. I progressed into my relationship with the Lord where my sins are forgiven. I've been reconciled to God. Now I, I got gifts. I got a ministry that I've been given. It's a stewardship. I'm doing the ministry God gave me to do. And here's the thing. Here's the end result of his ministry. 
I'm preaching Jesus. I'm warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect. He says, I have a goal. I want to present people mature in Christ. I want you to check this out. Look at how similar Paul's goal is to God's goal. God says that Jesus died to reconcile you to God so he could present you faultless. Paul says, now I'm taking on a ministry. And in my ministry, I'm preaching and I'm teaching with the end, the end game in mind of presenting people to God mature in Christ, mature in the Lord. I want to help people get to where they know the Lord and that when they meet the Lord, they're going to go be with the Lord. And so every one of us, you guys, again, there's a ministry, there's something God has called us to do. We can all participate in this, the ministry of evangelism, the ministry of helping build other people up in their faith. But we should progress from being lost, being saved, to now out of the overflow, serving the Lord. I do believe it's very important that our service to God come from a place of overflow. It's overflowing. I I am saved. I am filled. I am receiving from the Lord. And just out of the overflow of what God has done in my life, I'm now spilling over and blessing somebody else. It shouldn't come from a depleted person. We shouldn't be coming from a place of being spiritually empty ourselves, depleted ourselves and trying to muster up energy to serve other people. Stop. Don't serve if that's where you're at. Sit down with the Lord for a minute. Get where you need to be in Jesus to where your service would be out of the overflow. That's how we want it to. That's how God desires that it would be. And so, again, Paul says he's warning and teaching. Warning would have the idea of the gospel, right? Where What are we warning people of? As believers, what do we warn people of? Hell, right? Y'all know that's become very unpopular today, right? It's become unpopular to talk about hell, to even acknowledge it. There are even pastors that are buffaloing on the whole thing. Well, you know, maybe hell is just a, a figment of your imagination or just a yeah, bugger bugger bogus. Hell is a real place. Jesus died to save you from hell. Jesus talked about hell more than heaven. He gives very intimate descriptions of it throughout the scriptures. Says it's a place of outer darkness, of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, of fire and brimstone, lake of fire, forever and ever and ever, where the worm dies not. That's all that the Bible says about hell, that, you, that you're mentally cognizant in hell. Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man got to hell and was like, man, can I go tell my brothers? He want to be an evangelist now. It's too late, bro. You know, so he and hell aware of the people that he knew that that weren't there yet, wanted to go say something. He couldn't go do it. Mental faculties are working. Hell is real. And so Paul said, look, we're warning people, right? That's part of the motivation of preaching the gospel is that I understand what hell is better than they do, right? They have no idea what's going to happen if they die like they are. So I need to be sharing the gospel. I need to be presenting. Um, And sometimes in order to share the good news, I got to present the bad news. Amen. You know, if you're sharing the gospel and you just want to, some people just want to share the good, just want to tell you God loves you and Jesus died for you to save you. I'm telling y'all that don't hit right if I don't understand that. Save me from what? Right? If I mean, I, when I got saved, I needed to understand that, brother, you're going to go to hell. And this is what it is. I mean, that was what got me saved. Something about just, you know, your life's going to be better. I had people try that with me. My life is fine right now. That's what I thought, you know. I needed to understand there was judgment to come. There was hell to escape. And then it made the gospel like, okay, well now, uh, something that Ray Comfort says, you know, he gives the analogy of someone going into a doctor's office. And if you went to the doctor and you left their appointment and the doctor says, hey, I want to, I'm going to give you a free round of radiation and chemo. 
Most of you would say, I'll pass. You know why? Why would I do that? Right. However, if you went to the doctor and they say, hey, you have a very aggressive cancer. Only chance of getting in front of it is that we treat it aggressively right now. You know, radiation, chemo. Now it might seem more of something that, okay, understanding what's at stake. You know, maybe now it makes more sense that I would I would be grateful for the free services you're offering. Um, but if I'm fully healthy and fine, I walk in and you offer me chemo and radiation. I don't think I'm walking out saying, yippee, you know, I'm not, I'm not rejoicing in, in that, you know. And so in the same way, sometimes we're wanting to share this part of what God's offering without being clear about this is what's going to happen if you don't receive it, though. Right. You're already lost. You're already separated. You're already going to hell. You already belong to the devil. You need to be saved from where you are. It's not where you're going to go when you die. You need to be saved from where you are today. Today, you're separated from God. Today, you're, you know, you're spiritually dead. Today, you have no relationship with the Lord. Today, you can't get a prayer through to God. Today, Satan has free reign and access over your life. And if you die, you will remain separated from God in a place of destruction called hell. That's the reality for the non-believers. So Paul said, look, we are warning every man and then we're teaching every man. Because I got to warn non-believers, but once you get saved, now you don't need to be warned about hell every time we come together. He said, now I'm teaching. And Paul was a great teacher, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect. That word perfect means mature in Christ Jesus. Verse 29, our last verse to this end, I also labor striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Paul says, look to this end, that word labor, striving, working, all these are words. Paul is saying, look, I'm putting forth effort. Whatever you do for the Lord, and I want to encourage us in this, because some of us have a ministry, we have stuff that we're doing, whatever it is that God calls you to do, whatever it is that you get a sense of, this is what God called me to do. I would exhort you that you would do it with passion, that you would do it with fervor, you would do it with some umph. There should be some stank on it, you know? You can't serve, you shouldn't do anything for the Lord lightly, half-hearted, lackadaisical. There should be effort, energy, passion to... All that should go into what we get to do, whatever it is that we get to do for the Lord. You don't want to serve the Lord half-hearted. So Paul says, look, I'm laboring. That's hard work. I'm striving. Um, that's mental. Um, and, I'm, and I'm working all according to the work. And it says it's his working, which works in me mightily. Here's, here's the thing I would close with. As much as we may labor, we may work, we may strive, we may put forth effort. God says this, it is he who works in you both to will and to do for his good purpose, right? God says, look, when it's all said and done, I'm actually working in you to will, which is to want to do, and then to do, which is to be able to do for his good pleasure. So if you're serving God half-hearted, that means you're working against God. God's like, I'm working in you to want to do it and to be able to do it. So if you're doing it weak, God's like, you're working against me. I'm inside you. I'm moving you to go hard. I'm moving you to be tenacious. I've heard people say, well, you know, I want to walk with the Lord, but I don't want to be like, I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be carried away. You know, some people are just, you know, too saved, you know, this over the top. It becomes everything. That's how you got to serve God. It's got to be everything, right? You will never see an athlete excel in athletics. That's like, I just do that on the side, right? I just, you know, it's just kind of, I just, yeah, I, I pick up the ball on weekends only, you know, anybody you see excelling at something is putting forth effort in it. And so if we're going to excel in our service to the Lord. It should be something that we're willing to 
put forth effort. And again, whatever effort we put forth is in light of, in response to all that the Lord has done for us. None of us serves to be something ourselves. Our service to God doesn't make us a big deal. Our service to God is always in response to our great God and what he has done for us already. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. As the Apostle Paul urged the members of the Colossian Church to remember fully that they were saved by the blood of Jesus and that their lives should reflect that. The same goes for you and me. If we have said that we believe in Jesus and what He did for us, then there is a practical side to living out our faith. We have the opportunity to set an example through our obedience to Him. In other words, are you letting God lead you every day? Are you giving up control on how your life should be in your home, in your workplace, in the world? Friends, through this yielding, there will spring a deeper desire for more of Jesus. And our prayer is that your relationship with Him will grow every day. Care to know how? You'll find all the information you need on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Just click on the Know Jesus tab. Here it is again, calvaryinglewood.org. For more personal contact, feel free to call or text us at 310-245-4811. We would love to encourage you more in your daily walk with Jesus. So please, pick up that phone and dial 310-245-4811. A Transforming Word is a ministry from Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, out of Inglewood, California. This concludes the time we have for today, but we're so grateful you took the time to listen to this issue with Pastor Bill. We'll be back again to share with you more on A Transforming Word.